Can we just thank Charlotte for reading that for us? I think we found the longest possible passage to give you. And all of the adults who read, they just read a little short because that's all they can handle. But we knew you were reading today. We gave you the long one. So great job, Charlotte. Hello, Lakeview Church. Oh, it's so good to be with you this morning. And if you haven't noticed, we got kids in the room with us today. This is a family Sunday. A few times a year we do this where everybody's in the same room together. So can we just welcome our kids and just let them know how thankful we are that they're in the room with us today. And if you hear just a little bit of stirring around, it could be a kid, but it might be an adult who's just fidgety. So just just relax. It's going to be okay. We're going to be just fine during the service. And kids, if you did get a packet before the service, there is a little bingo game uh, that you can play there and you can just listen for words that I'm going to share in this message and just make sure you identify those and uh, and so you can pull that out. And for the, for the adults in the room, if you got a bulletin when you came in, we actually created a little bingo for you too. There's a little fill in the blanks on the back of the bulletin that might help some of you pay attention and stay with me the whole time. So just want to encourage you to flip that bulletin over and do that. I want to just take a quick, quick moment to just say a special word of welcome to our college students. If you're from Taylor University, Indiana Wesleyan, if you go to IU Kokomo or Ball State or Ivy Tech, we're just glad you're here with us today. I know some of you are in the process of looking for a church home. Others of you have already made Lakeview your church home and you're back with us. We have missed you while you've been gone. We're so glad you're back. But if you're here today and you're looking for a church home, I wanna just encourage you that Lakeview is that place. You can make this your church home and we invite you to to, to join us and walk with us uh, as a church. We're an everyday church for everyday people striving to follow Jesus, live generously and make a difference every single day. And we want you to be a part of that. We believe that we have some things that we can invest in you as a college student, but we also believe that you have things that you can invest in us, and we want to walk with you in that relationship and be a church community for you during your time at college, so we just want to encourage you with that. And I want to also just look right at that camera as I do every Sunday and just welcome every single person who's joining us online today. We're so glad you've taken time to log in, whether you're doing that right now live or whether you do that later in the week on demand. We're just so grateful that you're taking time to gather with us and we just want to welcome you. And congregation, I know I've asked you to clap a couple times, but can you just one more time welcome our online congregation? Now, we are uh, starting a brand new series today called Conversations with Jesus, and uh, this series, I kind of want to just let you know kind of where it came from. So I've been spending some time reading in the Gospel of John, and for those of you who are familiar with the Bible, you know where that's at, but if you're not familiar with the Bible, Bible's divided into two parts. There's Old Testament, New Testament, and the New Testament's the second part of the Bible, and it really talks about the life and ministry of Jesus and, and then kind of the development of the early church. And if you read the second part, the New Testament, there are four books at the beginning of the New Testament, and they're called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they primarily tell the story of Jesus, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. And I've been reading in the fourth book of the New Testament, the Gospel of John, and as I was reading, what struck me is that Jesus spent an awful lot of time during his time on this earth having conversations with people. 
He would talk with individuals or he would talk with groups of people and he would have conversations. There would be back and forth. It wasn't just Jesus teaching them. There would be questions and and responses and answers and and this kind of back and forth of a conversation. I was just struck by that, that, that when you think about the life and ministry of Jesus, think about Jesus coming from heaven to earth, right? That's what we celebrate at Christmas. And you think about all of Jesus' life, some 33 years approximately, about 30 of those he spent kind of in obscurity. He didn't really have any public ministry. He wasn't teaching people. He wasn't performing miracles, healing, doing those kinds of things. He was just kind of in obscurity. And then he kind of entered into his public ministry and he was only in that public ministry for about three years. And when you take all of the time of that three years and you kind of parse it out to see how Jesus spent his time, he spent an awful lot of time in conversations. And as I was thinking about that in the Gospel of John, it just occurred to me that if Jesus spent a lot of his time, which was very limited, in conversation, those conversations are probably pretty important. That there's some things that we could learn from those conversations that might impact our lives Today And then as I started thinking about that, I started thinking about the fact that many of us maybe need to have a conversation with Jesus ourselves. Whether we're veteran Christians or whether we're just getting started in the journey or whether we're people who really could care less about God and aren't even sure if we understand who Jesus is, that we could just benefit from maybe just having a conversation with Jesus. And I thought maybe the way that we could do that is by walking through the conversations that Jesus has in the Gospel of John to learn about those conversations, to learn about how they impact our lives, but, but even more importantly, to let them be kind of a starting point for conversations we might need to have with Jesus. As I, as I studied these conversations, what I realized is that Jesus connects with these people and, and, and they, they're people from all different kinds of walks of life. They have troubled past. They have spiritual questions. They have barriers to faith that they need to overcome. And, and regardless of what's going on in their lives, Jesus connects with people right where they're at and he enters into a conversation with them. And in these conversations, they find help. They find truth and grace and freedom and, and they, find, they find just life in these conversations. And so I've just been praying for these next several weeks that we spend walking through this series that we will have new and fresh conversations with Jesus and that those conversations would help us, that they would change us, that they would do something in us. And this conversation that Charlotte just read for us just a few moments ago, I think is, is a great place to start. It's a conversation that Nicodemus has with Jesus. And we're going to unpack this conversation over these next few minutes. But I want to just kind of share a couple of preliminary ideas from this conversation that I think are going to be helpful for us in this entire series. And, and they really kind of center on two words. And the first word is the word barriers. Nicodemus has barriers that could have prevented him from having a conversation with Jesus. For example, in John chapter 3, we're told right off the bat that, that Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Now, you've got to understand something about the Pharisees to understand how this might be a barrier for Nicodemus. The Pharisees in Jesus' day were like the religious elite, 
They were people who were very zealous about knowing all the rules and keeping all the rules. They actually believed that if you kept all of the rules perfectly, that that would be the key that would unlock a new move of God that would return Israel to its rightful place. So they were very zealous about knowing the rules and following the rules and making sure other people were keeping the rules so that Israel could be restored. And they were very serious about their religion. And they were the teachers and the the people who would guide those in understanding the rules and keeping the rules. And so Nicodemus is in that category. He's a Pharisee. He's a religious elite. He's supposed to have it all figured out. And yet he finds himself needing to have a conversation with Jesus. And I just think it's important to understand that sometimes religion can be a barrier that keeps us from having a conversation with Jesus. Because Jesus actually did not come to create a religion. Some of you may not realize that. You may think that that's why Jesus came to establish the Christian religion. But in reality, Jesus came because his desire was to create relationship between God and human beings, to, to bring us back into relationship with our creator and our God. And so Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to help us enter into relationship. And so Nicodemus, in order to have a conversation with Jesus, he has to overcome the barrier of his own religion. Some of you may need to overcome that barrier too. Nicodemus also had to overcome, I think, a barrier of pride. Because Nicodemus, as a, as a member of the Pharisees and as a teacher of the people, a religious leader, he has a place of status in his society. And in order for him to come to Jesus, a man who was kind of outside the religious establishment, a man that the Pharisees did not affirm and did not encourage people to listen to or follow, he was risking his status. He was risking his prominence. And sometimes we think in our lives, we've got it all figured out. We know what we're doing. Our life is perfect. We don't need any outside assistance from God. And, and, and we might even think to ourselves that if we come to Jesus and explore what he taught or even consider following him, that we might be risking something, our status in our society, our status in culture. People might think we're weird or strange or, or, or people might think that, that we're, we're just a religious fanatic or whatever the case is. And I want to just encourage you, you you are weird already. We're all weird. We're all strange. We're all kind of have our own little idiosyncrasy. So, so following Jesus isn't going to make you weird. You're already weird. Just relax. It's going to be okay. And you can laugh. It's okay. Just look at the person next to you. It's, it's evidence, right? We're weird, right? Come on. Just everybody take a deep breath. It's going to be fine. I know this is church, but it's going to be fine. Just relax. Nicodemus has to risk his status to come to Jesus, which is why he comes under the cover of night. He's got this barrier of religion. He's got this barrier of status and pride in his own life, and he's afraid. I think his fear is a barrier. What is Jesus gonna talk to me about? What are the answers I'm gonna get in this conversation to the questions I'm asking? Can I actually can I actually have this conversation and, and, and will, I, will I like how the conversation goes? And so with his religion and his pride and his status and his fear, 
He pushes those barriers out of the way and he comes to Jesus under the cover of night. And I just want to start there in this series because Nicodemus had barriers and so do we. We have things in our lives that keep us from wanting to have open, honest conversations with Jesus. There are things that we like that we think Jesus might ask us to give up so we don't want to have any conversations with Jesus because as long as we don't talk to Jesus, we can keep those things that we don't want to give up. Or maybe we think we've got our religion all together and it fits nicely inside of our lives and we're afraid that Jesus might blow up our religion and and invite us into something different that we're not really ready for, that's not quite as secure and cut and dry as our religious practice and so we don't want to give that up. Or maybe we just have fear. What are people going to think about us? Are they going to criticize us? Are they going to think that we're foolish for even talking to Jesus? Nicodemus had barriers and so do we, but Nicodemus pushed his barriers out of the way to have a conversation with Jesus. And if I could just say one thing as we start this series, I just wanna encourage you, whatever your barriers are, and you've got them and I've got them, let's just push them out of the way and let's just have a conversation with Jesus, even if you need to do it in the middle of the night when no one's watching. Let's just have a conversation with Jesus because these conversations can change our lives. And we need these conversations. So we all have barriers, but the second thing I want you to know as we start this series is that Jesus offers acceptance. I love that Jesus doesn't say, Nicodemus, what's wrong with you? Let's have this conversation in the middle of the day. Go back and and get some courage. He doesn't say that. He, he just welcomes Nicodemus in. He just, he just invites him into the conversation. He says, Nicodemus, you're coming as you are, and you're in the place where you are, and we're having this conversation right here, right now. And Jesus just says, Let, let's have the conversation. Jesus actually allows Nicodemus to set the terms for the conversation. Because you know what Jesus wants more than anything else? He just wants to have the conversation. And so as you push your barriers out of the way, you might be wondering, is Jesus gonna, is he gonna get me? Is he, just, is he just out to show me what's wrong with me and tell me everything I've ever done that's wrong? I just want you to know, Jesus, you will find him to be ready for the conversation. He just is, he's just open arms, open ears, and he's ready to enter in with you. And so as we begin the series, I just want you to know you have barriers Push them out of the way and have the conversation. And when you do, you're going to find Jesus ready to have the conversation with you. And so as we begin to unpack this conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus, I know we've already prayed in the service, but this is church. And I think it's okay if we just pray one more time and ask God to help us enter into these conversations. So let's pray together. God, we just come before you right now and we're asking for you to take these next few moments, open our ears, speak to us, help us to push the barriers aside and enter into these conversations and may we find you at every step of the journey accepting and welcoming and ready for the conversation. And God, for what you do, we're gonna give you the thanks and praise in Jesus' name, amen. Now in in this conversation that we're going to unpack just over the next few minutes, I want you to kind of, I want to just boil it down to the bottom line. 
What is this conversation ultimately about that Jesus is having with Nicodemus and Nicodemus is having with Jesus? It it is a conversation about life change. The focus of this entire interchange between Jesus and Nicodemus is about life change. Nicodemus recognizes Jesus as someone sent from God someone who has done signs and miracles, someone who is there to teach them the way that they are supposed to walk in. So Nicodemus comes wanting to understand the ministry and the message of Jesus because he believes that there's, there's life change that's wrapped up in here that Nicodemus might want to experience. And as Jesus has the conversation with Nicodemus, he brings the conversation to bear on this concept of life change. So the focus of everything in this conversation is about Nicodemus becoming the person that God wants him to be. It's all about life change. Now, when we think about this conversation, I think there are kind of three big ideas, and I want to share them with you this morning as quickly as I can. I'm going to give you three words. They all start with the letter E, and we're just going to walk through them. And I want you to kind of think of these as hooks that the conversation hangs on. Okay, so there's, there's kind of three big ideas, and this really is what ties the conversation together. And the first word is the word end. We're going to start at the end, right? Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, says one of the things that's most important in life is beginning with the end in mind. In other words, know the end that you are after, the vision that you are pursuing. And this is exactly where Jesus starts this conversation. He's trying to help Nicodemus understand that God wants him to live life the way God intended And that's the end that Jesus is trying to get at in this conversation. Now, I know that those of you who are sitting in this congregation right now, when you look up here at me, you know, just by the way I look, that I'm a runner. I I know, I know. It's obvious. Sometimes pastors have to state the obvious, and and that's one of those obvious things. I, I know that you know that about me by my physique, right, that I'm a runner. And, and, and all kidding aside, I, I have spent quite a bit of time running, I need to spend a little bit more time. I know you're thinking that. I'll take it under advisement, okay? I'll take it under advisement. But, but one of the things that I have done over my adult life is I have, I've been a runner. And I get up in the morning, and I know Joe Vogt has done quite a bit of running. And, and I know that he and I have talked about running. And, uh, and I, I've run in races as Joe has run in races. And, 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 and you get out there and you, you train for a race and then you run in a race and, and there's a starting line and, and it's important to know where the starting line is. We're gonna talk about that in a few minutes. But, but it's also important, even as you're at the starting line, to have the finish line in mind. To know, like, what is the goal? The goal is not starting a race. The goal is finishing a race, and, and so it's important to have the end in mind. I, I remember the very first race that I ever ran in. I, I don't know why I didn't choose something smaller than a 15K, but I, I chose a 15K. I think I got talked into it by my friend Jim, and, and we decided we were going to run in this race, the Cole Porter Classic. 
And it was held in Peru, Indiana, and, and we were going to run this race, and we were going to be awesome. And we trained, and we ran through Matter Park, and we ran on the, the walkway. I mean, we, we were training seriously for this race. And, and I remember we went to the race, and we started. I'd never run in a race before like that. And, and you know, I did all the things you're not supposed to do as a runner, just spent so much energy in, like, the first mile. Like, I was going to just, you know, set a world record or something, and I just, the adrenaline just took over. And so this race, this distance that I had run many, many times was a distance that I I knew I could run, but I found myself in that race being in a place where with a few miles left, I didn't think I was going to make it. I'm like, what is wrong with me? I've run this distance before. I can do this. Why am I running out of steam so early in this race? And I remember as we were coming into the last couple of miles, we were working our way back into town and and moving towards the finish line. I still remember this moment. We turned this corner, and when we turned the corner, I saw my wife, and I saw Sean. And he was cheering for me. And all of a sudden, I found energy that I didn't even know I had. And when I run, even today, there are moments when I want to quit. And if you're a runner, you know what this is like. It doesn't matter how long you've been running. When you go out and run, there are just some days when you think to yourself, I just want to walk. In fact, can someone come pick me up? I just want to ride back home, right? And when I have that moment when I'm running, you know what I think about? I think about that picture in my head running that race. I think about my wife and Sean standing there near that finish line saying, come on, dad, you can do it. And it gives me energy. When I run my normal route, I run down past the hospital from our house and I run into Matter Park and then I come back. And when I come back, there's a hill near the end that I got to climb. And I get to the top of that hill, and that's when I want somebody to come pick me up. Right? I just like, okay, can some, Marita, can you just drive the van down here and pick me up? I think of that moment. I think of the end. It's important for us as we think about this whole idea of life change that we know the end that God is after in our lives. It's important for you to know that if you're not even at the starting line yet, so that you can think about what what is the end that God is pushing us towards. But there are some of you in this room, you're already running the race and you're tired. You just want somebody to come bring the van and pick you up. And I wanna just remind you, there is an end that God has in mind for this race and you just need to stay focused on the end and find energy from God to keep running. The end that God talks about with Nicodemus is this end of living life the way God intends you to live life. Live life the way God wants you to live life. And in this story, he says, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. This is the end that Jesus is interested in. He's not just interested in getting people to believe in him. He's not just interested in getting people to come to church. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, there's this kingdom that I am establishing on this earth. 
And this kingdom is about making the world what it is supposed to be again. In fact, a little bit later, when we get to John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, what we discover is that the reason God wants to send his son in the first place is because he loves the world. And he wants to come alongside the world, not to point an accusing finger, not to judge or condemn the world, but he wants to come and help the world. He wants to set the world right again. In the New Living Translation, he talks about saving and rescuing and redeeming the world. This is, this is what God is up to. And this has two kind of applications for us, because I think there's a personal application in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, you see Jesus saying the reason God sent his son is because he wants everyone to have a whole and lasting life. God wants you to live your life the way he intended for you to live your life. And the way that God intends for you to live your life is thriving, whole, at peace, the word that is often used to describe the kind of life and blessing that God wants us to experience is this word shalom. It's this word which means peace, perfection, as it is supposed to be. This is what God wants for you. And sometimes we think that God maybe has a different view of our lives, that he's just looking for areas where we step outside the line so he can get us. But I just want you to know today, God's number one desire for you is that you would live a whole and lasting life, that you would become everything he created you to be, everything he intends for you to be. This is God's heart for you. But God also has this global perspective that God is not just concerned about your life becoming what he wants it to be. He wants you to participate in his mission to change the world. You see, God doesn't just want to save individual people. God wants to establish his kingdom on this earth. And that's why he told his followers to pray that his kingdom would come and his will would be done where? On earth just like it is in heaven. God wants to make this world perfect. He wants to make it at peace. He wants to bring people back in relationship, not just with himself, but with each other. He wants to make people whole again. He wants to restore and redeem. This is what God is up to. And so God is inviting us to pursue this end where we would be transformed and become whole, and, and we would become everything he wants us to be. And at the same time, we would join with God in making sure his goodness is spread throughout this world, and the world is redeemed and restored to what God intends for it to be. That's the end that God is asking us to pursue, and I want you to keep the end in mind. Now, as we think about the end of the race, what, what God is up to, how do we get into this life? Because some of you are here today and you're already walking with Jesus and, and, and so you already know you're, you're on the, the journey and you just need to be reminded where the, where the end is, where the finish line is. But, but, but some of you are here today and you don't even know how to get in the journey. And so I just want to help you understand how to start this journey toward the end that God has for each and every one of us. And so that's the second E word is entrance. How do we get in to this journey? And the way that we get in is we believe and we're born again. And this is taken right out of the passage, right? And Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he says, unless you are born again, 
You cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't, you can't go to the end. You can't make it to the finish line unless you start this way. You have to be born again. And Nicodemus is confused. He's perplexed. How can a grown man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus begins to explain to Nicodemus, listen, there's a natural biological birth that happens to every human being on this planet. But if you want to enter into the kingdom of God and walk this journey that God has for you, then you have to be born again. And that is a mysterious spiritual experience that's initiated and directed by the Holy Spirit of God. And you say, how in the world does a person get to that place? How do they become born again? Well, Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 simply says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And John chapter 1, verse 12 says, to all of those who believed in him, he gave them the right to be called children of God. And Romans chapter 8, verse 16 says that when we believe in Jesus, he gives to us a spirit of adoption and his spirit comes to live inside of us. And in that moment, his spirit testifies with our spirit that we are in fact God's children. And in that moment, we can call God our father. That's what it means to be born again, and it all begins with belief. If you want to experience life the way God intended for you to live life, if you want to become the very best version of yourself, the the, the version that God had in mind when he created you, where your life is exactly what it was supposed to be, if you want to live that kind of life, it begins by believing and being born again. And if you want to participate in helping this world thrive and be redeemed and rescued and restored so that that it is exactly the way God wants it to be, the way that you enter into that is by believing and being born again. That is the entrance into this journey. I'm almost out of time. I got one more word for you, and it's the word energy. What is the motivating force for God to even establish this end and give us a way to enter into the journey? Why why would God do this and what motivates him to do it? And the answer is, it's all about God's unconditional love. It's all about God's unconditional love. And what I want to just encourage each of us as we begin to move to a close this morning is that you need to receive God's unconditional love in your life right where you're at today. Some of you have a view of God that's like the one I had when I was a kid growing up. I thought of God as a judge, and he wasn't very nice. I thought he was, he was this, this judge that was always looking down at me, always waiting for me to step outside the lines so that he could say, I gotcha. And some of you view God that way. You think that God's established rules not because he wants to keep you inside of boundaries. You think he's established rules so he has reasons to get you. And you view God as a judge. Some of you view God as just a mean killjoy. He just established rules to take all the fun and fulfillment and joy out of life. And you think that God gets satisfaction from, from taking all of those things away from you. 
And some of you see God as just always pointing the accusing finger, telling you how bad you are. But John chapter three, verses 16 and 17, right in the heart of this conversation, one of the most quoted passages of scripture in every setting For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but he sent his son into the world so that the world might be saved through him. We see it in John 3, 16 and 17 in the message translation. This is how much God loved the world that he gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all of the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. I just want you to know today, God is not this demanding judge that's waiting to get you. He's not a mean killjoy that just established rules to take all the fun out of life. And he's not pointing an accusing finger at you today. He's actually got arms open wide saying, come on in. I want to give you a chance to become a child of God. And he's not, he's not up there waiting to tell you how bad you are. He, he just wants to let you know he loves you and you can receive his love. And here's the best part. There is nothing you need to do to earn his love. It's not like God is saying, if you do this, this, and this, then I'll love you. No, he already loves you. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrated his love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. God has already written the final word about how he feels about you. He loves you. And all you have to do today is receive his unconditional love. Believe in him and confess him. Make a commitment that you're gonna follow him for the rest of your life. And when you make that commitment, you're saved. The spirit of God begins to live inside of you and you are given the right to be called a child of God and you can begin to call God your father. So this morning as we close this service, I wanna invite you to take just a moment to reflect on where you're at with God. And I wanna invite everybody in this room to just bow your heads, close your eyes. I don't want anybody looking around. Nobody looking around during this time. This is just a moment for everybody to have just private, personal time between you and the Lord. Some of you are here today and and maybe for the first time, it's occurred to you that God actually loves you. And that he invites you into a relationship. He wants you to become his child. He wants to be your father. And maybe for the first time, that is making sense to you today. And maybe right now, you're just realizing that you want to step up to the starting line and begin this journey. I want to encourage you to listen to that prompting. 
and to put your faith and your trust in him. And you might be wondering, how do I know if this is the moment when I'm supposed to put my faith in Jesus in this moment? I just want to let you know, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says, behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. And right now, if you sense that God is knocking on the door of your heart, all you have to do, according to Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, is just open that door and let him in. And, and it actually says in the verse that he will come in and he will have a meal with you. He will begin to fellowship with you. You will begin to live in relationship with God. And so today, if you're here and you've never made that commitment, but you sense that God is knocking on the door of your heart, what I want you to do in just a moment, when I ask you to, is I want you to raise your hand. And I want to just make it really clear. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out or, or, or draw any attention to you. This is really just between you and the Lord. There's a time later in the journey when you can be baptized. And at baptism, you make a public profession. But right now, this is just a personal commitment. You're believing in your heart and you're confessing with your mouth that you want Jesus to be Lord of your life. So if you're here this morning and God's knocking on the door of your heart, no matter what age you are, a child in the room or the oldest adult here, if you've never made a commitment to follow Jesus, you've never stepped up to the starting line, you've never believed, you've never been born again, now is the moment. And so what I want you to do right where you're at, if you wanna make a commitment to follow Jesus, I want you just to raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand up high. See that hand back there? Yeah. Anybody else? Just raise that. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? Just, yep, I see that hand. Yeah. Anybody else? Don't miss this moment if God is asking you right now, prompting you. Here's what I want us to do as we close this service in prayer. Those of you who raised your hand, I want you just to pray this prayer with me. And you can pray it out loud if you feel comfortable doing so. But you can also just pray it right in your heart. I want you just to pray with me. So congregation, let's pray. And those of you who have raised your hands, just pray this prayer in your heart right now. Lord, I know that you want to live in relationship with me. And I know that I need a relationship with you. I also know that there's nothing I can do to earn that relationship. Thankfully, you've made it possible for me to live in that relationship through Jesus Christ. So today, I'm opening my life to you. I want to be born again. Today, I'm making it clear that I want a relationship with you. Today, I'm giving you my life. Today, I'm deciding to follow Jesus. And now just thank him for forgiving you. Thank him for changing you. And thank him for welcoming you into a new relationship with him. God, I pray for all of these people right now who just prayed that prayer. Lord, those who raised their hands, those who maybe didn't but prayed that prayer with us, 
God, I pray that you would meet them right where they are right now, that you would wrap your arms around them, welcome them into your family. Help them to know that they are now in this moment children of God and that you are their father. Walk with them from this moment forward and help them to live their lives in increasing ways to become the people that you want them to be. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.